Section one of Ways of Woodfolk. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ways of Woodfolk by William J. Long. Chapter one Foxways. Part one. Did you ever meet a fox face to face, surprising him quite as much as yourself? If so, you were deeply impressed, no doubt, by his perfect dignity and self-possession. Here is how the meeting generally comes about. It is a late winter afternoon. You are swinging rapidly over the upland pastures, or loitering along the winding old road through the woods. The color deepens in the west, the pines grow black against it. The rich brown of the oak leaves seems to glow everywhere in the last soft light, and the mystery that never sleeps long in the woods begins to rustle again in the thickets. You are busy with your own thoughts, seeing nothing, till a flash of yellow passes before your eyes, and a fox stands in the path before you, one foot uplifted, the fluffy brush swept aside in graceful curve, the bright eyes looking straight into yours, nay, looking through them to read the intent which gives the eyes their expression. That is always the way with a fox. He seems to be looking at your thoughts. Surprise, eagerness, a lively curiosity are all in your face on the instant. But the beautiful creature before you only draws himself together with quiet self-possession. He lifts his head slightly. A superior look creeps into his eyes. He seems to be speaking. Listen. You are surprised? this with an almost imperceptible lift of his eyebrows, which reminds you somehow that it is really none of your affair. Oh, I frequently use this road in attending to some matters over in the West Parish. To be sure, we are socially incompatible. We may even regard each other as enemies. Unfortunately, I did take your chickens last week, but yesterday your unmannerly dogs hunted me. At least we may meet and pass as gentlemen. You are the older— allow me to give you the path. Dropping his head again, he turns to the left, English fashion, and trots slowly past you. There is no hurry, not the shadow of suspicion or uneasiness. His eyes are cast down, his brow wrinkled as if in deep thought. Already he seems to have forgotten your existence. You watch him curiously as he re-enters the path behind you and disappears over the hill, Somehow a queer feeling, half wonder, half rebuke, steals over you, as if you had been outdone in courtesy, or had passed a gentleman without sufficiently recognizing him. Ah, but you didn't watch sharply enough. You didn't see, as he circled past, that cunning side-gleam of his yellow eyes, which understood your attitude perfectly. Had you stirred, he would have vanished like a flash— you didn't run to the top of the hill where he disappeared to see that burst of speed the instant he was out of your sight. You didn't see the capers, the tail-chasing, the high jumps, the quick turns and plays, and then the straight nervous gallop which told more plainly than words his exaltation that he had outwitted you and shown his superiority. Reynard, wherever you meet him, whether on the old road at twilight or on the runway before the hounds, impresses you as an animal of dignity and calculation. He never seems surprised, much less frightened, never loses his head, never does things hurriedly or on the spur of the moment, as a scatterbrained rabbit or meddling squirrel might do. 
you meet him perhaps as he leaves the warm rock on the south slope of the old oak woods where he has been curled up asleep all the sunny afternoon it is easy to find him there in winter now he is off on his nightly hunt he is trotting along head down brows deep wrinkled planning it all out let me see he is thinking last night i hunted the draper woods to-night i'll cross the brook just this side of the old bars and take a look into that pasture corner among the junipers there's a rabbit which plays round there on moonlight nights i'll have him presently then i'll go down to the big south meadow after mice i haven't been there for a week and last time i got six if i don't find mice there's that chicken coop of old jenkins only he stops with his foot up and listens a minute only he locks the coop and leaves the dog loose ever since i took the big rooster anyway i'll take a look round there sometimes deacon jones's hens get to roosting in the next orchard if i can find them up an apple tree i'll bring a couple down with a good trick i know on the way hi there in the midst of his planning he gives a grasshopper jump aside and brings down both paws hard on a bit of green moss that quivered as he passed he spreads his paws apart carefully thrusts his nose down between them drags a young wood mouse from under the moss eats him licks his chops twice and goes on planning as if nothing had happened on the way back i'll swing round by the fallas place and take a sniff under the wall by the old hickory to see if those sleepy skunks are still there for the winter i'll have that whole family before spring if i'm hungry and can't find anything else they come out on sunny days all you have to do is just hide behind the hickory and watch so off he goes on his well-planned hunt and if you follow his track to-morrow in the snow you will see how he has gone from one hunting ground directly to the next you will find the depression where he lay in a clump of tall dead grass and watched for a while for the rabbit reckon the number of mice he caught in the meadow see his sly tracks about the chicken coop and in the orchard and pause a moment at the spot where he cast a knowing look behind the hickory by the wall all just as he planned it on his way to the brook if on the other hand you stand by one of his runways while the dogs are driving him expecting of course to see him come tearing along in a desperate hurry frightened out of half his wits by the savage uproar behind him you can only rub your eyes in wonder when a fluffy yellow ball comes drifting through the woods toward you as if the breeze were blowing it along there he is trotting down the runway in the same leisurely self-possessed way wrapped in his own thoughts apparently the same deep wrinkles over his eyes he played a trick or two on a brook down between the ponds by jumping about on a lot of stones from which the snow had melted without wetting his feet which he dislikes and without leaving a track anywhere while the dogs are puzzling that out he has plenty of time to plan more devices on his way to the big hill with its brook and old walls and rail fences and dry places under the pines and twenty other helps to an active brain first he will run round the hill half a dozen times criss-crossing his trail that of itself will drive the young dogs crazy then along the top rail of a fence and a long jump into the junipers which hold no scent and another jump to the wall where there is no snow and then oh plenty of time no hurry he says to himself turning to listen a moment that dog with the big voice must be old robbie 
he thinks he knows all about foxes just because he broke his leg last year trying to walk a sheep fence where i'd been i'll give him another chance and oh yes i'll creep up the other side of the hill and curl up on a warm rock on the tip-top and watch them all break their heads over the criss-cross and have a good nap or two and think of more tricks so he trots past you still planning crosses the wall by a certain stone that he has used ever since he was a cub fox seems to float across an old pasture stopping only to run about a bit among some cow tracks to kill the scent and so on towards his big hill before he gets there he will have a skilful retreat planned back to the ponds in case old robbie untangles his criss-cross or some young fool blunders too near the rock whereon he sits watching the game if you meet him now face to face you will see no quiet assumption of superiority unless perchance he is a young fox that has not learned what it means to be met on a runway by a man with a gun when the dogs are driving with your first slightest movement there is a flash of yellow fur and he has vanished into the thickest bit of underbrush at hand don't run you will not see him here again he knows the old roads and paths far better than you do and can reach his big hill by any one of a dozen routes where you would never dream of looking but if you want another glimpse of him take the shortest cut to the hill he may take a nap or sit and listen a while to the dogs or run around a swamp before he gets there sit on the wall in plain sight make a post of yourself keep still and keep your eyes open once in just such a place i had a rare chance to watch him it was on the summit of a great bare hill down in the woods by a swamp five or six hounds were waking the winter echoes merrily on a fresh trail i was hoping for a sight of reynard when he appeared from nowhere on a rock not fifty yards away there he lay his nose between his paws listening with quiet interest to the uproar below occasionally he raised his head as some young dog scurried near yelping maledictations upon a perfect tangle of fox tracks none of which went anywhere suddenly he sat up straight twisted his head sideways as a dog does when he sees the most interesting thing of his life dropped his tongue out a bit and looked intently i looked too and there just below was old robbie the best foxhound in a dozen counties creeping like a cat along the top rail of a sheep fence now putting his nose down to the wood now throwing his head back for a great howl of exultation it was all immensely entertaining and nobody seemed to be enjoying it more than the fox one of the most fascinating bits of animal study is to begin at the very beginning of fox education i e to find a fox den and go there some afternoon in early june and hide at a distance where you can watch the entrance through your field glass every afternoon the young foxes come out to play in the sunshine like so many kittens bright little bundles of yellow fur they seem full of tricks and whims with pointed faces that change only from exclamation to interrogation points and back again for hours at a stretch they roll about and chase tails and pounce upon the quiet old mother with fierce little barks one climbs laboriously up the rock behind the den and sits on his tail gravely surveying the great landscape with a comical little air of importance as if he owned it all when called to come down he is afraid and makes a great to-do about it another has been crouching for five minutes behind a tuft of grass watching like a cat at a rat-hole for someone to come by and be pounced upon 
another is worrying something on the ground a cricket perhaps or a doodle-bug and the fourth never ceases to worry the patient old mother till she moves away and lies down by herself in the shadow of a ground cedar as the afternoon wears away and long shadows come creeping up the hillside the mother rises suddenly and goes back to the den the little ones stop their play and gather about her you strain your ears for the slightest sound but hear nothing yet there she is plainly talking to them and they are listening she turns her head and the cubs scamper into the den's mouth a moment she stands listening looking while just within the dark entrance you get a glimpse of four pointed black noses and a cluster of bright little eyes wide open for a last look then she trots away planning her hunt till she disappears down by the brook when she is gone eyes and noses draw back only a dark silent hole in the bank is left you will not see them again not unless you stay to watch by moonlight till mother fox comes back with a fringe of field mice hanging from her lips or a young turkey thrown across her shoulders one shrewd thing frequently noticed in the conduct of an old fox with young is that she never troubles the poultry of the farms nearest her den she will forage for miles in every direction will harass the chickens of distant farms till scarcely a handful remains of those that wander into the woods or sleep in the open yards yet she will pass by and through nearer farms without turning aside to hunt except for mice and frogs and even when hungry will note a flock of chickens within sight of her den and leave them undisturbed she seems to know perfectly that a few missing chickens will lead to a search that boys' eyes will speedily find her den, and boys' hands dig eagerly for a litter of young foxes. Last summer I found a den beautifully hidden within a few hundred yards of an old farmhouse. The farmer assured me that he had never missed a chicken. He had no idea that there was a fox within miles of his large flock. Three miles away was another farmer who frequently sat up nights and set his boys to watching afternoons to shoot a fox that early and late had taken nearly thirty young chickens. Driven to exasperation at last, he borrowed a hound from a hunter, and the dog ran the trail straight to the den I had discovered. Curiously enough, the cubs, for whose peaceful bringing up the mother so cunningly provides, do not imitate her caution they begin their hunting by lying in ambush about the nearest farm the first stray chicken they see is game once they begin to plunder in this way and feed full on their own hunting parental authority is gone the mother deserts the den immediately leading the cubs far away but some of them go back contrary to all advice and pay the penalty she knows now that sooner or later some cub will be caught stealing chickens in broad daylight and be chased by dogs the foolish youngster takes to earth instead of trusting to his legs so the long-concealed den is discovered and dug open at last when an old fox foraging for her young some night discovers by her keen nose that a flock of hens has been straying near the woods she goes next day and hides herself there lying motionless for hours at a stretch in a clump of dead grass or berry bushes till the flock comes near enough for a rush then she hurls herself among them and in the confusion seizes one by the neck throws it by a quick twist across her shoulders and is gone before the stupid hens find out what it is all about but when a fox finds an old hen or turkey straying about with a brood of chicks then the tactics are altogether different 
creeping up like a cat, the fox watches an opportunity to seize a chick out of sight of the mother bird. That done, he withdraws, silent as a shadow, his grip on the chick's neck preventing an outcry. Hiding his game at a distance, he creeps back to capture another in the same way, and so on till he has enough, or till he is discovered, or some half-strangled chick finds breath enough for a squawk. A hen or turkey knows the danger by instinct, and hurries her brood into the open, at the first suspicion that a fox is watching. A farmer, who I know well, first told me how a fox manages to carry a number of chicks at once. He heard a clamor from a hen turkey and her brood one day, and ran to a woodpath in time to see a vixen make off with a turkey chick scarcely larger than a robin. Several were missing from the brood. He hunted about, and presently found five more just killed. They were beautifully laid out, the bodies at a broad angle, the necks crossing each other, like the corner of a corn-cob house, in such a way that by gripping the necks at the angle all the chicks could be carried at once, half hanging at either side of the fox's mouth. Since then I have seen an old fox with what looked like a dozen or more field-mice carried in this way only of course the tails were crossed corn-cob fashion instead of the necks the stealthiness with which a fox stalks his game is one of the most remarkable things about him stupid chickens are not the only birds captured once i read in the snow the story of his hunt after a crow wary game to be caught napping the tracks showed that quite a flock of crows had been walking about an old field bordered by pine and birch thickets from the rock where he was sleeping away the afternoon the fox saw or heard them and crept down how cautious he was about it following the tracks one could almost see him stealing along from stone to bush from bush to grass clump so low that his body pushed a deep trail in the snow till he reached the cover of a low pine on the very edge of the field there he crouched with all four feet close together under him then a crow came by within ten feet of the ambush the tracks showed that the bird was a bit suspicious he stopped often to look and listen when his head was turned aside for an instant the fox lunged himself just two jumps and he had him quick as he was the wing marks showed that the crow had started and was pulled down out of the air reynard carried him into the densest thicket of scrub pines he could find and ate him there doubtless to avoid the attacks of the rest of the flock which followed him screaming vengeance a strong enmity exists between crows and foxes wherever a crow finds a fox he sets up a clatter that draws a flock about him in no time in great excitement they chase the fox as long as he is in sight cawing vociferously till he creeps into a thicket of scrub pines into which no crow will ever venture and lies down till he tires out their patience in hunting one may frequently trace the exact course of a fox which the dogs are driving by the crows clamouring over him here in the snow was a record that may help explain one side of the feud from the same white page one may read many other stories of reynard's ways and doings indeed i know of no more interesting winter walk than an afternoon spent on his last night's trail through the soft snow there is always something new either in the track or the woods through which it leads always a fresh hunting story always a disappointment or two a long cold wait for a rabbit that didn't come or a miscalculation over the length of the snow-tunnel where a partridge burrowed for the night. 
generally if you follow far enough there is also a story of good hunting which leaves you wavering between congratulations over a successful stock after nights of hungry patient wandering and pity for the little tragedy told so vividly by converging trails a few red drops in the snow a bit of fur blown about by the wind or a feather clinging listlessly to the underbrush in such a tramp one learns much of fox ways and other ways that can never be learned elsewhere end of section one